welcome, welcome, welcome to another Arog 20. Um, this is going to be a very nice um, podcast where I have my new friend, Tracy, who I met um, maybe, maybe about three months ago at a mutual workplace in Oakland. Um, and Tracy, I just found to be one of the most, it was an inspiring meeting. She really took my breath away when I first met her. Just her confidence, her poise and her kindness. And it was just like a ray of sunshine coming in. So welcome, Tracy. I really want you to tell your story. I think that you're going to bring some wonderful counsel and wonderful just inspiration to many people that are listening. So welcome, Tracy. Thank you. Tracy, as I said to you earlier, we always begin with the first uh, five questions and we can go down any rabbit hole. So my first question to you is, who are you and where were you born? Um, well, I was born as Tracy Bradford. Um, I am now Tracy Daniel and I was born in Oakland, California uh, to my parents, Dwayne Bradford and my mother, um, Pamela Thrower. Um, I am a mother uh, of three sons, two are adults, the oldest being 29, the youngest 17. And I am a wife, I'm a sister, um, I am a daughter, um, I work in ministry with women, um, I am an employee of Kaiser Permanente. Um, I'm many things, but most importantly is I am a child of the most high. And that's something that I, my relationship with Christ, I just really relish and honor um, God in my life and everything that I do and who I am. I know that you said you're from Oakland, and I think that this is a great opportunity to highlight what it was like growing up in Oakland. Uh, I know a lot of people don't know very much about the city. So tell me what it was like. How was your childhood growing up here? Um, well, I grew up in a single parent home. Uh, my mother raised three children by herself, and I am the oldest. Um, I wouldn't say that it was extremely difficult, but it was somewhat difficult. Um, Oakland is a melting pot. It's very diverse. So I've always lived with various cultures. Um, I look at it like this. If you can survive in Oakland, you can survive in any um, city in Northern California. Um, it is, you know, because it's very diverse and you have different cultural backgrounds, uh, different economic statuses. Mm -hmm. um, I have learned to just kind of adapt, um, especially the field that I came from before um, healthcare is just learning how to make it and, uh, you know, use what you have. Mm -hmm. um, as they say, the saying is if you have lemons, you make lemonades out of it. So just coming from a single parent home, being the oldest, um, is a lot of responsibility. And I just learned how to make it happen. Mm -hmm. What would you, what advice would you give to somebody who's new to Oakland? What's special? How could it be a great experience for somebody that's coming to Oakland that's new? New to Oakland. Let me just say this myself. <laughs> well, one thing I would say is don't compare it to where you came from or any other city because it's very unique and very different. Um, 
I would say get to know the culture of Oakland. Oakland is a culture within itself. Mm -hmm. Um, Get to know and understand that people, sometimes people can come off as, you know, a little hard. Um, And it's just, I think, because of, um, you know, their environment and the lifestyles that they, you know, lived and the things that they've had to overcome. So some people kind of come off as a little hard or guarded, but just really get to know people. Um, get to learn and understand, you know, like I said, the different cultures and just take your time. Don't come in with preconceived notions, but just be observant mm-hmm. and um, learn the cultures, the food we have, you know, so very, very good food here, mm-hmm. in my opinion. And um, that's what I would say. Don't come with preconceived notions. Don't compare it to any other city in any other state. It is Oakland by itself. Oh, I absolutely think that Oakland gets a bad rap. Um, there has been me from some take, coming from someone who has grown up in Oakland. There definitely has been some changes, I would say. Mm-hmm. And I believe that it starts in leadership. I believe that it starts um, right downtown in, in the mm-hmm. city. And, you know, those who are city councilmen and women and the mayor, uh, we have someone uh, who's a city councilwoman, Treva Reed, who was excellent. I believe she's District 7, and she's doing a wonderful job. She's um, new on the scene, and I'm already starting to see some change. I believe that a lot of what we see now, which is different than when I was growing up, has to do with the leadership here in Oakland. I think I'm learning that there is a deep authenticity to people when you get past the I got to trust you first. So I know that, for instance, where where we work, I've seen that transition. The longer I've been there, the more I've got to know people, the more I'm seeing this deeply, deep kindness and authenticity, which is refreshing. So tell me, what are your biggest fears and um, or do, do you have any? Um, gosh, that's something I really can't say that I have a biggest fear now. I had a fear, which was um, recent, probably not long ago. And you could probably relate as with most people. And I think that was the fear of failing. Mm. Um, You know, what if this doesn't work out? Okay. If I start this new business venture, um, what if, what if, what if this, what if that, what if I lose money, you know, while I'm trying to invest in this, what if this, you know, even I'm someone who invests in stocks and I am, a, um, I wouldn't consider myself a risk taker. I study and research everything before I jump into it. So, um, and so I'm, I'm a safe investor, you know what I mean? And so I think my biggest thing was failing, but that's something that I recently overcame just through praying and, you know, seeking God. It's like, okay, God, I'm going to have to just trust you in, in what I'm getting ready to um, do next. So I would, I think failing, you know. Do you think that your faith has grown over time? Do you feel like through time and as you've aged that you've become stronger in your faith and more resilient? Oh, absolutely. It has grown. So, you know, the Bible says that if we have faith um, the size of a mustard seed, we can say to the mountains, you know, be thou removed. So, of course, we know that a mustard seed is very, very tiny. But then you go from faith to trust. And that is based on, um, 
your relationship with Christ. And so as I have built a bond in my relationship with Christ, it has taken me from faith. I've always been a woman of faith. And that's what I've been known in my family is a woman of faith who believes God. So it's one thing to believe God. And, oh, I believe that God exists. I believe that he created the heavens and earth and da, da, da. But am I going to trust him from my own personal um concerns or fears or issues right. with my children and my husband. So that is going from faith to trust. Yeah. And so um, based on my relationship, absolutely it has grown. Would you say that in your darkest times, Em, that that's what you turn to ultimately? Yeah. So a lot of times our adversity is either going to uh, draw us to Christ or we're going to run away. And so for me, um, just being raised in the church, you know, it's one thing to be raised in the church and it's another thing to actually have a personal relationship. Mm -hmm. And I just remember in 2015, I went through a very, very difficult season. That was one of many seasons, but that was a season where God literally stripped me of everything and said, okay, Tracy, you're going to have to completely absolutely trust me. You cannot just give me a portion. I want it all. And so during that time, I said, God, I don't know what else to do, but to run to the rock that's higher than I. God, I'm believing and trusting that you're going to see me through and bring me through this difficult season. It was very painful, but God was with me. And I came to know who I was and not only that, who he is and who I am in him. And so that was a time I can say in my whole entire walk with Christ where um, I can say I just really probably grew the most mm -hmm. today um, because I just I, I, I abided in him, you know, yeah. I, I, to means to dwell to, to, to in prayer and, and reading his word and just immersing myself because I felt like that was my lifeline. And it was and it was and I'm a better person today as a result. Can you tell me more about the women's group that you mentioned earlier? Like what, how does that work? I mean, how are you involved in that? There are several things that I'm involved in, several women ministries, but personally I have a intimate Bible study in my home um, every week um, with just women, a small group of women. Mm -hmm. And um, the other ministries are just kind of a small private ministries of women that um, I've been a part of and just been able to pour into women. My heart's desire, because I've overcome some things and I've learned how to walk through some things. And so my desire is to go back and help other women to be overcomers, to show him them how to walk through uh, their healing process. You know, um, sometimes in the church, where they have failed is to create a healing platform. We have taught people to pray and to read and to fast and all these things, but haven't created a platform to where we're walking side by side with these women and helping them to walk through the process of their healing. Yes, it's an individual work, but we are about the body of Christ fitly joined together. And so, um, so, yeah, so those are the ministries, my own private and then other ministries that I'm uh, connected to. Have you ever heard of a man called Kevin Samuel? Kevin Samuel is very popular right now. He is focused on the relationships and ultimately marriage goals for many women and many single women call into him. And his philosophy in a nutshell really is 
about to get a high value man or high value man and the relationship. It's where the woman should be more submissive, where the man should be able to be the leader in the relationship and where women should be more realistic, where the people that are calling in are younger women, they are saying, I want a man that's a millionaire and they're not even in the, the position themselves. But he's talking about like getting back to the fundamental belief of letting a man lead, honoring the man, being submissive. Um, and he believes that this is, you know, the ultimate, I guess, the the magic bullet, I think, for the black family to turn around. Um, one thing I what, what I what I think has happened, I think because of COVID, people were forced to be alone, especially single people. It made you kind of reevaluate your whole life and how you date and, you know, what what isn't working, what is working. How do you feel about the whole role, the roles in a marriage and the, the submissive wife, the leader of the husband, the leadership of the husband? How do you feel about that whole concept? Well, I base marriage on the biblical principle of marriage. Mm-hmm. And um, there's I can pull up several scriptures, but basically in essence, um, a Christian marriage, mm-hmm. which is different from a marriage of the world. And when I say a marriage of the world, a marriage, even though um, a man and a woman come together and they come into covenant agreement and they say their vows before men and God and God is the covenant keeper. He's the one we, because we cannot keep covenant ourselves. So even though they come together, God is the covenant keeper, but they still are not practicing let's say christianity or uh godly walk right no judgment but i'm just saying that's Mm -hmm. you know what they choose to do so i am basing we should i say my husband and i we based our marriage on biblical principles the bible clearly states that the husband is to love his wife as christ loved the church and then the the wife in turn she honors her husband by respecting him and in so that is how she is showing her love for him yes we are to submit but to one another and so god has made the man the head if we go all the way back to genesis um, we'll see where God has made man the head. It doesn't mean that he is to have dominance mm-hmm. over his wife. He is the house bonder, meaning he is the band to protect the home. He is the leader in the home, just like in Kaiser, just like in churches, we have leaders mm-hmm. and different um, institutions. We have leaders. Someone has to be in charge. So God has called the man Mm-hmm. Uh, to be in charge of his family, not just his wife, but of his of his children as well, to be the nurturer, the protector, the provider. So we are to walk together in agreement, hand in hand, being submissive to one another. Now, as he submits to Christ, of course, I'm submitting to him, but it doesn't mean that he has dominance over me or he dominates. We walk together in agreement and we submit to one another through humility. And it's only through Christ. So even though my husband is the head of this household, Uh he's not better than me or he doesn't control me. He has no control over me. He nurtures me. His position is to pour into me. His position is to love me and, you know, to provide. And, um, and we walk together in agreement, we come together and we're helpmates to one another. Right. I think it's really important and very, very interesting that you put it that way. I've never heard that. I think that's more palatable to so many women. Can I ask you one other thing? Um, 
you've had obviously a good life, a varied life, gone through a lot of things. But one really powerful question I always like to ask people is, do you have any regrets? Um, hmm. I can't say, let me think, do I have, and I remember reading that question on the email and I'm like, God, do I have any regrets? Um, I think the only thing, and I won't even say that it's a regret, the only thing that I would say that I regret it is um, getting ahead of God in, in some seasons of my life. Mm-hmm. Um you know, um, that's the only thing I can think of. And then the other thing is what came to mind initially when I read is probably prolonging uh, my education. But I had valid reason. I had three sons. They were young. And, you know, I decided to uh, start a business from my home because I didn't want my uh youngest son to be in daycare. And so, um, you know, I was man, I was working myself like crazy. So running the business and going to school at night mm-hmm. and so that I could be there for my family. So if I could do it all over again, I think my regret would be is that I didn't have, I didn't put myself first, mm. you know, um, and that I sacrificed um, for my family, which we do, but there has to be a balance. I've learned yeah. now to have that balance back then. I was consumed with making sure that they were good. And I put myself on the back burner. I think that's truly powerful that you said that because this is why I'm, and this is why I'm doing this because I lost myself and we normalize it. We normalize women losing themselves in this role as a mother. And, you know, that's something that sort of drew me to you. Actually, you can tell when somebody sort of surpassed that I can remember when I first met you, I think I made a comment or something. It was just the way you carried yourself. I was like, oh, wow, really nice Adidas shoes. I think you were wearing those. And you just answered. So you were just so confident and you just had this air about you. And we immediately started talking about motherhood. And, you know, I remember like just actually verbalizing this, saying, oh, well, I'll give up my life. Literally saying this, I'll give up my life for four you know, just thinking it's a numbers game, right? We normalize this losing ourselves. Only only the recently, only maybe the last three or four to five years, I've started taking care of myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially if you don't um, ha- already have an identity, if you don't know who you are, mm-hmm. you, you're trying to find yourself. And at that time, when my children were very young, I was trying to figure out where I fit, where do I fit? Okay. I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I'm a teacher. I'm, you know, so I'm like, okay, but where do I fit? I still did not know my place. Mm-hmm. Um, very involved in the church and on every auxiliary board that you can think of. And that was only to, Um, try to feel some emptiness that was really only reserved for the father. And in that, you know, even coming into who we are, we learn how to balance life. We learn more things about ourselves. At that time, I was very broken. And so I was looking for fulfillment. So I figured, let me just, you know, because I just want to be the best mother. I just want to be the best wife and Mm -hmm. the best this and the best that. But I really forgot about me and all of that, Mm -hmm. you know. And so um, at that time, that's what was going on. I did not know who I was. I did not know my identity. Do you have hobbies or interests that 
are just your time. Do you think, do you find time to make time for yourself? Is that very important to you? Oh, yes. Very important. Now I know who I am. <laughs> oh, yes. So now I am at a place where I am enjoying life. Um, it, it, it is well for me. I'm at a place of peace. I, I, there's a freedom that I live now. Um, and so I love working out. Um, I absolutely enjoy it. I like reading. Um, I like um, taking walks. I love being outdoors and taking walks. Um, and so those are uh, some of the, the things that I love to do. I, I'm, I just, man, I, I really enjoy reading um, and working out is a must. That has been a hobby of mine since I was 19 years old. And so that's something that, um, you know, I've always, and I love to decorate. I wouldn't call that a hobby, I don't think, but I do love to decorate. Um, yeah. Do you think if I asked you that question maybe 15 years ago, you probably wouldn't have an answer for that, do you think? Um, other than exercise, no. So that's really important. That reminds me of me. I mean, it was the same story. So let me ask you another question, a powerful question. What's your mission in life right now? Or do you have one? What's your goal? What what drives you? What's What is your mission right now to, you know, what is it that you want to fulfill? Oh, yeah. So um, I can tell you a little bit of it because God is doing some things right now. And I have been instructed not to speak on it, not even to uh, my family. Mm -hmm. So I will say this. Um, right now, I am. Wow. How can I say it without? So so for November, November was the month of the pivot. Mm -hmm. And so as I have been seeking God about this next season mm -hmm. um, of my life and not just my life, but the lives of my, my children and my husband, because we're, you know, connected. But um, for me, um, I was instructed to move forward and do some things. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm trying to say it without saying it. <laughs> You have a mission and you have something that's clearly, clearly a big thing. I have something that's going on that's in the making. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I've already. I was, Go ahead. Sorry. I was already um, instructed to write a, a vision board for November and not wait until January. And I've already done so. And um, my son and I actually and, um, you know, we prayed over it and. Yeah. We're just putting things into place. So, yeah, there is a plan. Um, Would you encourage someone to start a vision board? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been doing it for years. I believe just like the Bible says, write the vision and make it plain. Um, and though it will tarry, it will come, wait for it. And so I, I believe that when we write things out, our goals, whether they're short-term or long-term goals, we can see them. And, and there's, you know, just a freedom and, and, and having the vision because it's like, okay, you're not over all over the place. I believe in being structured. Um, I believe in being, um, um, what word am I looking for? Um, uh, productive. Mm -hmm. I believe in maximizing your time daily, even when you're off from work. I believe, you know, the every opportunity that God gives us. And so just even with having the vision board, writing the goals out, it's like you're seeing them and, you know, and you have a frame of reference. OK, mm -hmm. and I believe it in it being visual. It's on a door in our home 
uh, where everybody can see when you walk in the house in the entryway, um, you're going to see the vision board. I did one um, a couple of months ago and put it on my Facebook page. Um, and I don't know, it really, it just, it just made it sort of clear for me. I'm actually going to change some of it because some of the goals on there have changed and they're not as important. And um, I just, it's been just so helpful. I think everything you've said is so powerful. Um, I want to just touch on one thing that, that I'm, that I'm noticing um, with myself. The fact that I even did a vision board is powerful. The other part of it is that I've never been more happier than I am at this moment in my life. Being in Oakland has opened up a more a creative door in my brain that wasn't was there but was kind of dormant, and it's talking to people like you. And also, I talked to um, Georgette, who I'm going to be doing an interview with. Uh, she's the house supervisor where we work, and she talked about she's from Oakland, she's in her sixties, and she talked about the energy in Oakland and how Oakland was hit so hard in the eighties with the crack ep- epidemic, but still the city rises, still there's something here, this spiritual, spiritual, I don't know, chasm that's here. There's, there's a deep, there's a deep, deep feeling and meaning in this city. And I, there's a reason I'm here. There's a reason I met you. And I think this is all valid stuff. I think that um, in time, we'll understand why. But I know that me, I need to be more deliberate with my prayer more deliberate with my meditation, you know. Um, again, the vision board is just the one aspect of it. And many things have come to fruition based on my vision board and being in the right place, which is here. So um, I want to just touch on one other thing that's really important that I talk to everybody about, and it's about COVID. How did COVID affect you from the lockdown to the actual, you know, the reemergence of us back into the workplace, the just dealing with family and just having the courage and all the fear that was that that, that happened because of COVID. Tell me about your experience. Um, it was different. Um, for my son, I have um one minor child at home who's seventeen, and at the mm-hmm. time he was sixteen. Mm-hmm. Um. We are a praying family. This is a house of prayer. If you ever came to my house, as soon as you walk in, you would just feel God's presence and his peace here. So we prayed a lot. We came together. I sat down with my family, um, educated them on what was going on. We talked mm-hmm. about it, um, created a platform for um, all of my sons, um, You know, even the older adult ones, when they would come over, hey, let's sit down, let's talk about it. What are your thoughts? Are you afraid? Because the media was putting all this stuff out. And of yeah. course it was pumping fear. I, most of them, I don't even follow the media. I just honestly just think a lot of the stuff is crap. Mm-hmm. But um, so what I did was I sat down and I just kind of did some research and looked at it from different perspectives. Mm-hmm. Um, and I sat down with my sons and my husband and I just wanted to just kind of hear um, what they thought about it. And I just shared what I um, felt the Lord was saying, what's happening in this time. Mm-hmm. Um, right at the beginning of COVID, mm-hmm. actually, this was before COVID. This was before they shut everything down. 
And I remember being in my kitchen and I started praying for my sons. You know, you started hearing about the cases and then the crime, even though I don't live in Oakland, I'm right. I'm in San Leandro, so I'm still close. Mm -hmm. But, you know, you just start hearing about the crime and all these things that are happening with the police and and the black boys and the young men. And so I'm praying and I'm like, God. And so the Holy Spirit was like, look out the window. So I looked out the window and he said, look up. And I looked up and I saw a bird soaring Mm -hmm. and I clearly heard God said, I have reserved a space for your sons in the cleft of my wings. Nothing is going to harm them. You have to trust me. And I'm like, oh my God. And so, um, and I held on to that. And then right after that, that's when just everything just started happening. So I tapped in with my sons, with my family. We sat down, we talked, we had a devotion, we had prayer. I let them be transparent and honest, um, supported. We supported our sons in every way that we could. We encouraged safety. Um, my son, actually, a lot of kids didn't do very well during that time because it was very difficult. It's hard to learn remotely. Right. But he actually um, maintained his grades and managed to get on the continue to stay on the honor roll during that time. Uh, It was difficult for him, but I just wanted him to be assured that um, he had our support. Another thing that we did is uh, we went out. We went out and took walks. We just didn't stay confined to the home. We played games. You know, of course, we can't go sit down in restaurants, but we can go and walk. We can take the football. We can take, uh, you know, any, uh, we could go sit and have a picnic outside on the bench. And that's what we did. We would get food and we just tried to not, there was no normalcy. We, cause I don't think we'll ever go back to what we saw as normal, right. but I tried to keep it as normal as I possibly could and just support them and just creating a platform, you know, um, yeah. for them to open and just be transparent. I think that's beautiful. Um, were you able to also kind of be a support system for your mother, um, your parents? Um, Were you able to be there for them also during this time? So my mom, uh, my dad is deceased, uh, but my mom, yes, she is not far from me, literally five minutes away. She would still come. Mm -hmm. Um, And no one by the grace of God family in my household contracted the virus. My adult sons didn't. My mother did catch it in August. But by this time, you know, people were back to traveling and she traveled. Um, But even before them in the beginning, she would come and we would have um, dinner here, you know, at our home. So we kept it small and intimate. Like during the holidays, it would just be my husband, my boys and my mother. Mm-hmm. you know, when that was it. And so with other family members, we would do like video calls, right. um, sometimes Zoom. Um, so we kind of stayed connect- connected in that way. Well, the holidays are coming up. And for some people, this is a very stressful time. I know overall, it's a wonderful time, but there's people that are going to be on their own. There are people that have been affected irreversibly right now from the pandemic who feel hopeless, helpless. And there could be somebody listening right now that could benefit from something you may say. You're such a positive person. What kind of advice would you have for somebody that's really struggling right now at this time of year? I would definitely say that if, you know, they can just try to connect uh, via uh, Zoom, via video call, or even just a phone call um, and be consistent. One of the things that I noticed is that if there is a lack of consistency, then, you know, it's not effective. So whether it's calling 
um, checking in. And that was one of the things that I tried to make sure that I did with my family members. I can't see you, but I can still hear your voice. I can pick up the phone and call you. Um, we sent, my son sent letters to people. Mm. We sent cards to people just to let them know that we were thinking about them. Even through email, you can send, mm. you know, um, uh, digital cards through email. Um, and so those are uh, some of the ways that mm-hmm. I think is, you know, really helpful and beneficial. So people won't feel even a phone call, sometimes yeah. just a text saying, Hey, you know what? I'm thinking about you. I don't want anything. You know, you don't have to say that I don't want anything, but they need to know that, Hey, you're on my mind. When people know that they are thought about that makes all of the difference in the world because they said, Hey, I am love because people who feel lonely feel like they're unloved and they're all by themselves, Mm. you know? So just reaching out, whether it be text, video, email, mail a card, write a letter, um, and just try being consistent with it. Tracy, I really have to thank you again for being part of the show and sharing your story and really giving those words of inspiration. I, you, you just never know who's listening and how you can touch them. Um, I hope you can be part of the show again. Um, we would love to have you on. Um, it's been an amazing time. I really appreciate having you. Oh, thank you. It, it is an honor. It is an, a pleasure. So I thank you for having me. And however I can be in a, uh, an encouragement to the women, to whomever, um, it is an honor. So thank you. Thank you so much, Tracy. And goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye.